oh my gosh, oh, you kid and everything. You are just glowing, girl. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, you know, I try a little, you know. Not just kidding. <laughs> hey, this is Cleo with CleoYogaFinance.com. And welcome back for another episode of Financially Free with Cleo, a show where we shift mindsets with real and raw money conversations with everyday people, empowering you to take action, appreciate the journey, and live the lifestyle you desire financially, mentally, and physically. Today's special guest is Shaterial Starnes. She is the owner of the Starnes Group. She is a financial coach, a published author, trainer, facilitator, and consultant. She has been a featured speaker at numerous conferences and conducted several workshops about financial literacy for several organizations. And she's ultimately recognized her ability to empower and educate through financial literacy and make cognitive decisions to bring change by helping individuals and business owners recognize root causes to their financial behaviors. And she views herself as a financial farmer. That's a new one. I love that. Yes. Financial <laughs> farmer. And she helps individuals and business owners plant financial seeds to reap a harvest for generations to come. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I am doing well. And Cleo, thank you so much. You mentioned about financial farmer. Do you know of any farmer that plants seeds and doesn't expect a harvest? Absolutely not. Right. So I'm a financial farmer. I help plant the seeds so people can reap the benefits and have a harvest. Yes, I love to hear it. And I know there are so many people out there that needs your services and your expertise, and we are just ready to hear it. And first, <laughs> we would like to go back to your childhood so we can understand how you grew up and how you first learned about money. Well, Cleo, just to let you know that I grew up with a single mom. I'm the eldest of four children, and we grew up in extreme poverty. So money was always tight. We rented a lot of things. Things were repossessed, but uh, it was very tight. And that was my experience with money. Knew nothing about credit or money and did not learn about it until I was an adult. So unfortunately, I acquired a lot of those learned behaviors and those learned behaviors were not good. It's not a negative against my mom. It's just, you don't know what you don't know. And in turn, I took those negative or learned behaviors and implemented it in my life. So that's my story with money, but I had to bring about a change. Most definitely. I feel the same way too. You know, when I share about my story about how, you know, I grew up and I didn't have anyone to teach me about money. Um, yeah, definitely the same thing with my mom. She did the best she could with what she knew and what she had. And she taught me a whole lot. And although she wasn't in a position to really teach me all the things about money, I still have a whole lot of valuable lessons that I learned from her. But you're Absolutely. right. We don't know what we don't know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I would like to know when it comes to money and your money experiences, what do you feel is one of your best money decisions thus far? I think one of my best money decisions was investing in my 401k. Here's the deal, Cleo. The 401k, what people do not realize, a lot of companies will give a company match. That is free money that you were just leaving on the table. So when even in my early 20s, I actually invested in my 401k and participated and was able to receive the match. That can do wonders for your uh, 
your retirement. So that's one of the best decisions I think that I've ever made. Yes, I love it. Uh, when I had my first like real big girl job, <laughs> I signed up for a 401k. I didn't really understand the importance of it. I just knew they told you you should put some take have some money taken out of your check and put it in there. So I'm glad that you are educating us on why we should do this, but also why it's important. You know, we hear a lot of advice saying do this, do that, but I like when people actually tell you why you need to do something and how it's actually going to help you. So I love that. If you guys are listening out there, 401k, <laughs> if you are an employee and you're not already investing in that, in that type of retirement account, you should start today. And if you're already investing, you may want to have a conversation with your uh, human resource department, right? Just to make sure you're understanding what it all means too, right? And Cleo, it's not enough for us to say that we do not know. There's so many resources, either through the internet, your human resources department, where you can find out about different things. We live in a technology-driven society. There's nothing that you cannot really find out about. And if you do not know something, there's an expert or someone that you can reach out to to give you the information that you need to make sound financial decisions. Not knowing is not an excuse anymore. We got to step up our game. That is so true. That's a reminder, even for myself, even when I have those moments where I think, oh, I don't know, then I remember Cleo, you can quickly research and Google something. But then we also have to acknowledge when we need a professional like you to help us get our money together because we can't do it by ourselves. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's understanding your wheelhouse and your limitations. And it does not mean a negative thing. It's just that, hey, I need some help. And it's okay to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Yes. It took me a long time to get there about asking for help because I used to be scared to ask because for one, I felt like everybody's busy and have their own things to do and nobody really has time to help. But then I was like embarrassed and ashamed to get help because I didn't want anyone to know the things that I was struggling with. But what I realized, I was really making things more difficult for myself because now I was stressed and suffering in silence and isolating myself was not helping because now I don't have anyone to vent to or talk to or get advice from. So yes, I definitely am all for asking for help because there are people out there like yourself who want to see other people win and want to share your knowledge and expertise out there. We got qualified people out here to help like you. So I appreciate it. Absolutely. And Cleo, I just want to piggyback off of something that you said, a lot of shame and embarrassment. There's a lot of emotions around money. So trust me, I get it when people feel that um, embarrassed or ashamed about decisions that they have made. But as financial planners and financial coaches, we understand and specifically someone like yourself, you and uh, you and I, we came from a similar background. We've actually walked the walk. So we understand more than anything. So it's just a matter of humbling ourselves and saying, or people humbling themselves and saying, look, I need some help. And that's perfectly okay. So it's a no judgment zone. Let me repeat that. It is a no judgment zone and it's never too late to get started. Yeah, I love that. And I'm glad you mentioned it because yes, we both learned a whole lot of things, you know, just to let everyone know out there, we met when we were in a program together in Nashville, Tennessee, by this great organization, CCSI, Christian Community Services. 
And you were one of those favorite people that I love because you always had this beautiful smile. You had this positive attitude. You was always, always like ready to support and encourage other people. And I don't know if you remember this, but one time we were leaving, like after, uh, you know, our session that night, I, it was probably around eight o'clock, maybe um, it was dark. It was cold, I remember. it was raining and I, my car just spun out of control. Like, I don't yes. even know how it happened. I guess a hydroplane, it was just me and my daughter in the car and you just happened to be driving by and saw me and you stopped and you got out of your car in the cold rain. I'm sure you're probably tired, ready to get home, but you stopped and you checked to see were we okay. And you prayed for me. I'm trying not to tear up, but you prayed for us. And I was just so appreciative because you could have just easily just kept going and maybe called me later or something, or just, you know, that's when I knew you really care about people and you genuinely mm. have a good heart because you didn't have to stop. And that just made me feel so much better because I was shaken up. Like I was just sitting yes. there because even though I didn't hit anything or anyone just spinning around, I almost hit something. It was, was startling. Yeah. That doesn't happen to me every day. So I was just so shook up. I didn't even want to start driving you. I just had to kind of gather myself. So I just wanted to tell you again that I appreciate you for doing that. Thank and that's you. just a confirmation that I know that you really genuinely care for people and want to see Praise people God. well. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you so much. And I do remember that. And I remember because we lived in the same area. So I remember following you home as well. So just grateful to God that you guys are okay. Yes, most definitely. I will, that memory will forever be ingrained in my mind. So thank you so much again. Okay. So you're back to the money experiences. So you already gave me what you felt it was your best money decision. What do you feel is one of your biggest lessons learned when it comes to money? Oh my gosh, Cleo, there are just so many. But I think one of the main things is that I, I came to the realization that money did not have an emotion. It's not negative or it's not positive. And I remember growing up, you know, there's so many, especially in our communities, there's so much misinformation about uh, money, like uh, money being the root of all evil. And that is not true. Uh, I remember my grandparents making uh, a lot of uh, wrong information or giving a wrong information about money. So I've come to realize is that money is not bad or it's not good. Money is like unruly children. Either it's going to rule you or it will. you will rule it. It's one or the other. There are no gray areas. So I think just coming to the realization of what money is, what the currency, what the purpose of it is, because I actually went back and did research on money and just found out how different currencies were used and how it actually can be used for the good. So I think just getting a sound or good information almost like a breakthrough so much, so to speak, about money and its purpose. Mm -hmm. Because here's the deal. You cannot make changes in your life about your finances until you have an understanding of what you're using and what tools that you need to do to help you move the needle. Yes. Oh, I love it. I think more people are starting to understand there's a connection with you know, money and our emotions and our feelings around it. And you know how you hear that saying, the money is the root of all evil. I think that's how it goes. And more people realize it's the not, love of money. Yes, that's yes, it is. And I think 
we're even me, you know, I used to be in denial for a long time, but once I started to really acknowledge my thoughts and feelings and emotions around money, that's when my life started to change. And I think more people are starting to see that I really need to do some inner work um, and dig a little deeper, become more vulnerable and open to really understand my money habits so I can really change. Cleo, you have touched on really the foundation of what I do. What's unique about my uh, approach is the fact that I deal with behaviors. Here's the deal. I can help you buy a home. I can help you purchase a car. I can help you save, uh, save money and get out of debt. But if we do not deal with those root cause issues, you return to those same behaviors. So what I do and what's unique about my organization is that we unpack what those issues are. I have webinars where I talk about ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, and I tie it to money. Here's the deal. A lot of us are experiencing or had experiences in our childhood, some type of trauma, and it's effect, uh, impacting the decisions that we make today about money. And until you address those issues and deal with that, you will find yourself in this hamster wheel. You're going to keep making these same decisions. How many people shop because they're depressed? How many shop because they're sad? How many shop because all these different emotions and there's a lot of undiagnosed mental illness. So we have to address these issues in order to be able to move the needle in our finances. Ooh, I love it. You touched on an, another deeper thing too about the shop. And like me, I've never been a shopper, but there's been times when I felt sad or depressed. I, I'll go eat out, you know, you know, the yes. food, the eating. It's like, who I feel better. But then afterwards, I'm like, I just spent all this money. Now I just feel just you know, like I'm about to pop. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, the shopping, <laughs> hanging out, what, you know, I think we all have had something we just, you know, overspent on or feeling in a negative way. So I'm glad that you definitely highlight that and make that a part of the process that, hey, this is something that's required that you really have to uh, acknowledge and dig deeper on if you really want to see change and have a, a real transformation too. And no one, if someone comes uh, to work with me before we do anything, whether it's a budget or if we are working on their credit or what have you, they have to do a financial behaviors assessment because that tells me how they relate to money. And then I can start unpacking and start dealing with those issues and help them how to do something as simple as say no to their family members. Ooh. The big word is saying Don't no. Don't get me started now. Don't <laughs> get me started about that because I will preach today, baby. <laughs> yes, yes, that no is a big one. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's one a- of my classes is how to say no to your family members and friends. And I model how to go about doing that because in our community, there's something about we're very, um, we're very, a lot of times close to our families and it's very important for us to take care of family members. But can I say this? Takers do not have boundaries. Mm. I'm going to repeat that. Takers do not have boundaries. That is so true. So we have to learn how to say no and understand that it's one of the first words that we learned as children. Mm-hmm. There's power in that word. And it is a full sentence. You know, or anyone else an explanation. No, I said no, and I mean it. I'm, thank you so much for having that type of, you know, 
part of in your program, teaching people how to say no, because it's one thing to tell people, oh, just say no, or it's a, you know, yes, it is a complete sentence. And sometimes people can be real pumped up and like, you know what, I'm going to say no. But then when they get on the phone or get in person, they feel pressured. And sometimes if you say no, some friends or family members try to, you know, make you feel bad for saying no, you know, yes. try to guilt trip you into saying yes. And, you know, once you start to realize how that's affecting like your, your mental health and you get stressed about it all the time, and then you realize you can't even accomplish your own goals because you right. can't you know, getting people to, getting people to say yes. And not just with money, but with your time too. That's something that we address as well. So in that particular workshop, what we do is I give them scenarios because it's the same scenario, just a different person. And I give them tools that they can go back and we role play. Mm. Well, that role play is important because we got to see how uh. we how we feel when, we, when we're trying to do this dialogue back and forth. It's one thing to think of how it's going to be, but to role play, that's, that's huge. And they are the person. And then I, they are, uh, they're, uh, I'm them. And then they are the person that's calling and asking for whatever the, whatever the need is. So we switch roles yeah. and then I'm modeling and teaching them how to say no, because a lot of times, you know, when that phone, that cell phone pops up, it shows you that person. Mm -hmm. We're spending too much time on the phone when you're talking too much. <laughs> yeah. And then they start dry begging. Well, you know, I, uh, I don't know how I'm going to pay my light bill. Get them off the phone or refer them to an agency. I love that dry begging because I've, I've heard it all. <laughs> they try to give these little stories. These will make you right. have sympathy. <laughs> Like, mm -mm, I'm, I'm already unchecked out. I'm ready to get off the phone now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I used to work in social services. And granted, I have a good rapport with my clients and everything. And so it was just some of them. And I knew the deal when they were coming in. I said, come on, girl, what is going to be today? A scheme, a scam, or a sob story, or all three? What we go, What you going to hit me with today? They're like, oh, Miss Stars, you're so silly. But you know, it's the real. I know. <laughs> you already know. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Well, I, I definitely hope people are who are that are out there listening that you don't underestimate the power of saying no workshop. You know, I think we all need it at least once or multiple times. Sometimes it may take a few <laughs> times for us to really get it, but there is power in saying no and you will be delivered. You will feel so much better. At first, it may feel, you know, you may be a little nervous about it, but you will start to feel better. Trust me. <laughs> I love it. All right. So what about being financially free? So I would love to know, what does being financially free mean to you? Ooh, being able to just pick up and go whenever I want to go. If I want to travel. To another country. If I want to uh, buy uh, my, my, I have a, I made an assignment. I want to be able to buy my children homes. Mm, love that. Not having, not having any debt, not having to worry about money. I have a desire to give away most of my income into kingdom sowing and live off of a percentage of that. I believe God will honor that because there's a lot of work that has to be done. So for me, that's what's important. Mm. I love that, especially being able to purchase those homes for your kids and they don't have to worry about 
mortgage payment or anything like that, that'll be, that's just like one of the ultimate gifts. So I definitely love that financially free explanation you just gave. I know financially free means so many different things to all of us, but I just always love to hear what other people feel and think when it comes to being financially free. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And think about it, Cleo, that's a game changer. If your child does not have any debt for college or they decide to go to trade school or their home, that's one of the largest expenses that people will purchase in their lifetime. But if you take that off the table for them, that's one less thing that they do not have to worry about. And they can just focus on what they're called to do. Yes, I love that because I feel like when, you know, kids, when they finish high school and, you know, they're 18 years old, it's like, for me, I just went, I did go straight to college, but I went deep in the student loan debt. And, you know, if I would have had, you know, money for school or just, you know, property I could have where I could live there, or maybe it could be a rental property. I don't know, but I feel like you can have a different head start in a way financially when you have money or, you know, assets like that to work in your favor versus a lot of us, we kind of started maybe our late twenties, thirties, forties, and we're learning how to start this whole money game because we didn't really learn when we were younger. Um, when I was in college, I had met people that was the same age as me that were in different positions financially, meaning yes. they already um, had, you know, um, a credit score, like a positive credit score, because their parent added them as a authorized user, user on a credit card. And they already had like a car that was paid cash and, you know, and they already had all these things, financial, you know, assets working for them. And I think when you said purchase a home for them, that's just going to, they're going to thank you later. If they don't see it now, <laughs> later, they're going to be like, oh, I'm so grateful. So I think that's what it's about leaving those legacies for our children and our children's children and, you know, multiple generations. <laughs> and Cleo, just to say, uh, just a uh, case in point with, uh, I have a 23, my youngest daughter is 23 and then our youngest son is 11. So with my youngest daughter, uh, she 23 and she just purchased a home. Uh, she has excellent credit. She, she did not have any debt prior to buying the home. I work with her. I helped her with her score. She lived, and this is my stepdaughter. She lived with her mother. She wanted to move out. I said, no, just be patient because you really don't need to be leave, living with anybody. Let's just be honest. <laughs> and I said, be patient. Let's stack your money. Let's pay off bills and let's save some money. So she moved into this house at 23 with no debt. Now she only has her mortgage, no car payment, nothing. And then with both of with both her and my son, our youngest son, I'm putting measures in place. I have like stocks set up for them. I have investments, I have savings for them. So they are going to be set. They're not gonna have the same experiences that my husband and I and her mom had because, and then I'm educating them along the way. So it's not just about putting these measures in place for your children. You got to educate them because if you put this, these finances in their pocket and they don't have the education or the financial acumen, you're setting them up for a failure. Mm-hmm. That is so, so it's very important, but their experience will be totally different totally different than ours, just because of the simple steps that I'm taking. And it doesn't take a whole lot. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. I love that you mentioned the educating because it's one thing to, you know, have things set up and put in place for them. But, you know, what happens when you're gone? You know, who's going to talk to them about this stuff? We just want to make sure that we're not only putting things in place for them, but also, like you said, educating them. Because when I'm long gone, I want to make sure that my daughter understands how to manage her money and do all these different things versus kind of having these different you know, investment accounts and uh, money in your, your accounts and you, and then she not really know how to manage it. So I'm all for the setting them up and also educating them on how they can handle it throughout their adult life too. So I love that. I know you already mentioned talking about, you know, educating your kids. So I would love to know about the Starnes group and how you served your clients. And so just tell us about the work that you do and who do you serve? Okay, great question. Actually, my model, I changed my model. Initially, um, Cleo, I'll be very honest with you. When I started out, I was, uh, my model was, or my, uh, uh, the people that I was serving were people that were probably low and moderate income. And I felt like I was an ambulance chaser. I felt like I was literally beating people over their head for services and for things that they needed. And I was getting frustrated. And at one point I was just getting ready to throw in the towel. I did not want to do it anymore. And I was just in prayer about it. And I felt like the Holy Spirit led me and said, okay, let's change things up. And in turn, just drop this in my spirit. So now primarily what I do is I write proposals to organizations and in turn, they pay me to come in and teach financial literacy to their participants. Mm -hmm. And it changed the game for me because I, there's no issue with my getting paid. I feel like, you know, that there are people or that my services are more valued. People are very reactive when it comes to their credit and money and things of that sort. They want to, they want a home and then they decide like, okay, I want a home but not realizing that because of the choices that you've made in the past, it may take six months or a year or longer for you to be able to purchase that home because there's work to do. You have to understand as a financial coach, especially when it's dealing with credit and things of that nature, is we have to work together in tandem. If I do not do my part, it's not gonna work. And if you do not do your part, it will not work. So that was a game changer to me. So to answer your question, my business model and my clients are really not for profits mm -hmm. and that has made a world of difference so I partner with organizations and I go in and I teach one-on-one -on -one consultations and webinars to their clients mm. I love that because and I totally feel what you're saying about being an ambulance chaser it's like you you <laughs> want to help people and you want to make sure you want to get them to understand that, hey, you need this. It's actually going to help you. But, you know, it can be frustrating when you feel like you're just chasing people. But with you changing your business model, I love that because, you know, you're getting paid and you're showing up. So if somebody decides not to come, <laughs> hey, you. <laughs> you're already getting paid and you're showing up. You've done your part. So, of course, Absolutely. we always appreciate the people who... I do show up, um, but I, I really love that. And I think there are, that gives confirmation to other people out there who want to be a financial coach. That gives them another option that they could, you know, explore in their city about if they wanted to switch from one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching directly with people yes. 
uh, at that level if they want to reach out to those organizations in their area? Because I feel like there's more need for people like us to help. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially people of color. Because here's the deal. There are certain things that you're more comfortable with uh, getting advice on from people that look like you. That's not a negative. That's just a reality. You know, like we go to our people to bury our dead, to get our hair, hair taken care of and hair products. And it's the same with finances. You know, sometimes you want to work with folks that look like you and that's perfectly okay. And it's definitely, we're underrepresented in this uh, field. We're very unrepresented. And also, Cleo, just to let you know, even with the proposals, I still do one-on-one -on -one consultations. I do group consultations and one-on-one -on -one consultations as well. So you can structure the proposal however you want. I pay, I have a materials fee, I have a prep fee, I have travel fees. So this is some knowledge that I'm dropping to you guys now. And you can do that with any change up the game. Yeah. Don't throw in the tile. Yes, I love it. You are worth it. We have so much value to bring. And I like that you broke that down. Materials fee, travel fee, because there's a lot of prep work that goes yeah. into, you don't just show up and teach. There's some things that has to happen before the actual event that you're preparing for. You want to be make sure you're compensated for your work before and during the event and even after sometimes you may have some follow-up yes. after the event too because they also there's a reporting fee sometimes uh especially with not-for-profits they're funded by grants so they want some reporting so there are some things that you can add in as well like some reporting fees if not you pad them into your costs mm. so it's always a way to work around things but ultimately you have to know your work oh yes you got to know it and be confident and bold about it so other people you know won't feel like they can just give you any old thing like hey I want to help but hey I have a lot to offer and this is what my price or my range is so I love you thank you so much for sharing that and I know a few years ago I purchased your book navigating the credit repair maze and it just made me so excited because I said you know, when you know people and you see them doing amazing things, amazing work that's actually helping people, it just always makes me smile. And that book was very detailed, you know, straight to the point, gave you all the information that you needed to know, an easy read, but it's a lot of information that's really going to help. So if you could share with us about that book and also about your program as well, how to build business credit and steps to increase your personal credit. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there who, you know, there's just so much out there when it comes to credit too. And sometimes people don't really know where to start. So if you could just share with us how people can get started, if they would like to work with you with your services. Absolutely. So to back up my book, Navigating the Credit Repair Maze, first of all, it's an easy read. The book is only about 70 pages, guys, 70 pages, but 20 of those pages are dedicated to templates, dispute letters that show you how to dispute items with the credit bureaus, okay? The first 50 pages just gives you a background or detailed information or plan of action of how to go about reading your credit report, how to actually uh, determine or remove items that are uh, erroneous on your, uh, on your credit report. It gives you a step-by-step -step plan of action and the template so you do not even have to reinvent the wheel. Very simple. Listen, P 
people need a solution. They're not, they don't need a two, three or 400 page book because we're not going to read it. Yes. So, and also it's an ebook format as well. So it's in a hard copy and it's in soft copy. Now, in terms of the two classes that I'm teaching right now, I actually partner with Pathway Women's Business Center in Nashville, Tennessee. Here's the deal. Pathway received funds through the CARES Act. And they have offered this class, these classes, or allowed me to teach these classes as a consultant. And they're offering these classes for nominal fees. And actually, Cleo, I can give your listeners a free code a free discount code so they do not even have to pay. I love free, okay? Yes. So I can give them a free discount code and they can take my uh, personal credit webinar, which will actually is scheduled for March the 11th of next uh, month. And then also uh, I have a how to build business credit, which is a whole nother story. And a lot of times we do not know about it as small business owners that we can use business credit as leverage to scale our businesses. It's so much that we can do. Now, Cleo, let me say this. This caveat, and I want people to hear me. I'm not a big supporter of just getting in debt. I do not just promote getting in debt, but I do think that in some situations you can use it as leverage to better yourself and ultimately impact your future generations. Mm. But in the how to build business credit class, I'm teaching you, it's an introductory class. I'm teaching you how to build business credit. So you're not using your personal funds or co-mingling funds. Here's the deal with the payment protection program that was given out by the um, CARES Act, which is a forgivable loan. Mm. And also the idle economic injury disaster loan. A lot of our companies, we were not able to access these funds because we had not did everything on the front end. Mm. We didn't have business license. We didn't have business bank accounts. We didn't have all these things set up in place and we missed out on these opportunities. Mm. I've actually received both and received a second round of the payment protection program, but I did the work on the front end. Mm-hmm. Listen, we cannot afford to stick our heads in the sand and our co- companies and our businesses are not being passed down from generation to generation because we bootlegging it. And then we mad when we don't get this money. Never again, probably in our lifetime, Cleo, will mm-hmm. the government be giving out this money. Nope. Mm-mm. And they go, they're going to get tired of us. And they're like, okay, right now, small business, small businesses and minority businesses are the buzzword. Mm-hmm. Two to three years, that stuff is going to be put on the back burner. Take advantage of these opportunities now. And if you do not know how, reach out. Yes, I love it. And another thing I like that you say in your you know, videos on social media, you mentioned, you know, building your business credit, but you may not even need to use it, but it's good to have it. And I think when the shutdowns all started back in March of last year, 2020, a lot of businesses realized I don't have any money. In the plan B. Right. I don't have any money. What? They're not around. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of businesses didn't make it. Like they had to close and shut, like not shut down temporarily. They had to actually close. And I think a lot of businesses started to realize like, wow, I don't have any money saved mm-hmm. and I don't even have any credit to access. I think 
a lot of people notice that in their personal finances and business finances, if they have a business, they realize I don't have no money saved. I don't have any, I don't have access to credit because like you said, you didn't have everything set up like we needed to. And I think now, I think more people are starting to realize like, okay, I really want to get this together. And I can't wait because it's not a matter of if something like this will happen it's again. Weird. Yeah. It's when? Yeah. Inevitable. There's no. We may. We may or may not see something happen at this magnitude with the pandemic. We might. We might not. But we know sometime later, another recession is going to come, or another event is going to come where you, your business or your personal finances, your job, you may get laid off. You may. Who knows what will happen? And I think more people want to get in a better position financially. And that's why I love the work that you're doing because you want to help people get there and not sugarcoating anything. Like you're yes. telling them the real <laughs> deal. Like, look, this is what this is what needs to happen. Okay. <laughs> we got to stop playing. You know what I'm saying? Something else, Cleo, I want to share with you very quickly. And I hope you don't mind is. Yeah. We also, and this is something I've been really speaking heavily about as well. We need to start preparing for our aging parents. That is something that we do not talk about. And let me tell you this. I am actually, uh, my mom lives with me, okay? And my mom uh, has some medical issues. Mm -hmm. And she's 64. She's young. Yeah. But I say that to say is that a lot of times our parents did not plan. And because of that, we're having to take up the slack. So I'm really preaching to friends, not preaching, but I'm just letting people know, like, listen, you need to start getting things in order because guess what? People are living longer, especially women. My maternal grandmother is 91. My paternal grandmother died when she was 92. And both of them lived on their own. My, my maternal grandma still lives on her own. Mm. So the point that I'm trying to make is that people are living longer. What is your game plan if an aging parent has to come and live with you? Are you set up financially? My mom doesn't have insurance. Mm. Yeah. She's on disability, but it takes two years because of the type of disability that she's on for her to get the insurance. She is the monetary piece, but these are conversations that we need to start having now. What if you have a child that has a mental illness? Mm. Gotta talk about Loss of a job. Uh, Destiny's getting ready to go off to college. We have to start having these rich conversations and prepare ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's not happening, especially in our communities. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate it because when you said that the sandwich generation, you know, like we we have kids we're taking care of. And like you said, our aging parents, and you're right. We do need to talk about it more. You know, for my mom, I have an insurance policy for her because I know whenever that time comes, which I hope it's a long time from now, I know (laughs) I'm the one that's financially going to be the one to to take care of it. And you know, it is so much to consider because, you know, we had conversations about arrangements and I even have conversations with Destiny about my life insurance. Yes, and, 
you know, so something happens to her, you know, and, you know, she's like, I don't want to think about that. And I had to, yes. she understands, like, you, you have to talk about this stuff. You know, if something happens to me or my mom, mm-hmm. there has to be a plan in place to take care of it. And I definitely want to encourage everyone out there listening to set some time to talk with your parents or parents about this because you don't want to wait until someone passes away and what happens right you got family members arguing you know people are trying to find it could be a nightmare yeah it's just a lot of stress and it's even worse to grieve and trying to figure out the the, the money part and all of these the insurance and it's just so much and you know sometimes people can have all of their information just scattered everywhere you don't yes. know where anything is so I agree I, that's so policies lapse it could be a nightmare but I also just to add on to what you're saying not just the life insurance but what happens if they have to come and live with you or if they have to go to a nursing home that's what I'm talking about Ooh, that's true too. Cause I've even had thoughts about that, about, you know, if it came to that point, you know, my mom, she's always like, I'm gonna live till I'm a hundred and something, you know, (laughs) but you know, that is true. You know, if you're, cause I know I I usually will hear people have conversations about, okay, for people who decide to bring their parent or parents in their home versus sending them to a nursing home Mm -hmm. facility. And some people frown upon sending your loved one to a nursing home because they feel like you're neglecting them. But what if you're in a situation where you work and you're just not going to physically be there, you know? And I think you're right. We do need to have those conversations. Like even with my mom, I know she says she's going to be you know, <laughs> running up the street till she a hundred years old. But what if that doesn't happen? You know, what you're if absolutely right. stay with me or, you know, go somewhere else, but I and know Cleo, me. everybody's not a, everybody's not a caregiver. So it's not a bad thing. If you have to go to a nursing home, like right now, my mom cannot live on her own. You mm-hmm. know, she cannot live on her own just because of her memory issues and stuff. But there's things that we need to think about because again, they're inevitable. They're going to happen. So are you planning? Mm-hmm. Or do you have a plan in place? Do you feel people don't talk about it as much because they um, feel like they have more time to talk about it? Or you just feel like it's just uncomfortable to have those conversations? I think it could be a combination of both. I think that we put off things oftentimes that is very important. We're like, oh, I'll get to it or it'll come to our mind. But we're just so busy in our everyday lives. And also I think it's uncomfortable. But one thing I can say about the pandemic is that for me personally, it has caused me to slow down and really start valuing what is important. I've made a promise to my family, my friends, that I'm going to be more intentional Think about it, Cleo, when in our traditional settings, we were working a lot of hours, our kids are in school. By the time we got home, cooked dinner, you may have spent an hour or so with your child or your significant other. My husband and I worked different shifts. I worked first shift, and he worked second. So literally when I was coming in, he had already left within 30 minutes. So we didn't even see each other until the weekend. So this pandemic Although there's been a lot of negative things, there are some positive things that have came out where we can reset, we can recognize what is really important. So for me, I felt like that I was not spending enough time with my son. Mm-hmm. I made a cognizant effort that I'm going to be more intentional and present. Yes. So that's, I feel that those things are going to be very, very important going forward. Yeah, I love that too. I I definitely have been 
attentive to the things I can be grateful for since the pandemic hit, you know, um, definitely more quality time with my daughter, Destiny, and, you know, being at home more has been, you know, helpful. Uh, I'm single, so it's just myself and my daughter. So whenever I feel like I want to complain or anything, I just remind myself, let's look at the positive things, Cleo, that has happened. And if there's things that I didn't like, let's figure out a way to, you know, improve in those areas. But I love that. Thank you so much. And now I have some fun facts about Shaterial. Okay. So I'm just going to ask you a few <laughs> quick questions to get to know you a little bit better. So when it comes to food, what is your favorite food? I love shrimp. Mm. Love shrimp. You mm-hmm. like my daughter, Destiny. She loves shrimp. She'll <laughs> eat every day if she could. <laughs> like like <Yes>. shrimp. <laughs> All right. What is the favorite out of all the places that you traveled to? What is your favorite place that you've been? And what's a place where you've never been that you're looking forward to visiting? I think probably my favorite place that I've been was uh, Destin. I love Destin, Florida. Hmm. Um, I that's on my to do list, travel more out of the country. And I have traveled some, but I am planning uh, or want to plan a trip to Bali. That is on my bucket list. Yeah. So I am excited about traveling to Indonesia. Yes. And you know, one thing I've only been there one time, but one thing that I do like about there. The cost of living is cheap. Very um, cheap. And it's even like when you go out, even like when you, cause I had to go to Gilly Air Island, but I had mm-hmm. to fly into Bali and I had to take like three different boats to get to Gilly <laughs> Air Island. But once I got on the island, it was so cheap and I would get massages that was yes. like $20 in USD. And I would tell them, I said, do you all realize how much this type of massage would cost in the yeah. United States of America? I mean, I could live it's over there. Unreal. You don't really need that much money. So now I see why people travel to place, not the only reason why people travel there, but it's, it feels cool when you know you can go to another country and you don't really have to spend a lot of money to really have a good time either. Absolutely. Live a life of luxury, actually. Yes. 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 <laughs> you will love it there. What do you like to do when you're not working? What do you like to do for fun? I like to read. I like to pamper myself, like getting manicures and pedicures. I love getting massages. I uh, have a chiropractor. I go to, uh, I get acupuncture. <laughs> Those are and, two things I've wanted to try. I've, of course, uh, massages, I've had that, but chiropractor and acupunctures, I haven't yes. had that before, but I've always wanted to try it. I think you should. I really think you should. And I, for me, it's part of my self-care regimen. Okay. I make that a priority. So, um, and I also, what some, what people may not know about me is that I love horseback riding and I love the outdoors. I like to camp and everything. So those are some things that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. That sounds like relaxing, fun, like a great weekend. I know it's cold outside right now, yes. so a little different, but yes, I love that. All right. So if you had $500,000 right now, what are the first three things that you would do? I would tie. I would uh, 
go on a very luxurious trip and I would take my close family members and friends. And then I would put uh, the remaining money, uh, just set it to the side so I can just come back, pray about it, come back and decide what will be the next steps for the rest of it. Yes, I love it. I like you said, put it to the side instead of just, you know, putting it all now. Like, hey, I got to come and regroup and figure out what I want to exactly, do. Exactly. I and love that, it. That luxury trip, trust me, it's going to be nice, but it'll be somewhere out of the country and it will, will not be that expensive. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it'll be, I'm not going to spend a ton of money because I'm very um, frugal, <laughs> yes. but I believe that you can get nice things and don't have to pay a whole lot of money for it. I love that. Love it. Love it. Love it. So now I have the financial affirmation card. So I'm just going to pull a random one and I'll recite it to you. And I just would like for you to tell me how it makes you feel or how it relates to your own journey. Okay. All right. Am I looking? Okay. (laughs) All right. The one I have is my financial mistakes do not define me. Absolutely agree. I think in the beginning, now it took me some time to get there because I would beat myself up. You know, I was my worst critic and I would beat myself up. But now I know that they do not define me. I look at it as the mistakes or the things that I've experienced. I can use those experiences, Cleo, to help someone else. So that's how I look at it. Like all things really work together for your good. Yes. I believe the same thing. And I too felt the same way, but yes, we know that those lessons learned, we use it towards the future opportunities that we have. So yes, I love it. So last question here for you. So a lot of times we're asked, you know, what advice will we give to our younger self? But I would love to know what advice would you give to yourself right now? I would say take more risk. Do not be afraid. And Clea, I'm going to say this, that I probably, I have an undergrad and a master's degree. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with college, but I don't think I would have went to college. I would have invested in either a real estate coach or some type of sales coach. And I think it would have catapulted me even further than where I am today. But I would have just did things differently. Explore mm-hmm. other options. Yeah. There's no one way to get to your goals. Yeah. And that's what I love about the the kids nowadays. They have more, there's more discussions about, you know, it's it's not just you go, you graduate high school, go to college, get a job, work for 30 years, retire, you know, now it's different where there's so many different ways to get to all these different types of opportunities. College could be for you or it might not, or you could take the entrepreneurial road that may be for you. So it's just so many options out there. And there are some people who want to be an employee and have a business on the side. So it's like, there's just so many options and I love it. Yes. It's like, you do reflect back and say, huh, I would have done something a little different. And I love the fact that they are risk takers. You know, my daughter is a risk taker. And I encourage her. She actually, after she graduated, she went to college and her friends were doing it. So she felt like she had to do it. And I was telling her, I said, Shamia, you do not have to go to college. If that's not something that you want to do, don't do it. Yeah. And so as a result, she stopped and she said, you know what? I'm going to start doing what I want to do. And she started a business an online business. And then she uh, played around with that a little bit. 
and said, she still has the business, but now she's in school to become an aesthetician. And I was able to help her, you know, go through the state and she pretty much got everything paid for. Mm -hmm. And what's left, we, her and I, we split the cost and I paid. So she has no debt and she'll be graduating this summer. Oh, I love that. See, it's just powerful that now we can educate other people and just teach them things that's going to help them. You know, things that we probably wish we had when we were their age. So I love- The best thing that we can do for our children is validate them. Mm -hmm. Validate them. That's what they need. Yes, I love it. Thank you so much, Shatirio, Mm -hmm. for being here and talking with me and giving us some real good gems. You was dropping them left and right. So I just would love for you to tell us how people can connect with you and support you and your business and work with you as well. Coachstarns.com. Again, that is coachstarns.com. My telephone number is 615-593-2135. And Cleo, as a bonus for your people that listen, I am actually going to send you the links to be able to take either my how to build business credit class or personal credit class. And extra bonus, you will be able to do it for free because Cleo is my friend and I want to be a blessing to her and her network. So I'm going to send you the links, forward it out to your network and to your supporters because I would love to have them and just educate them on both personal and business credit. Yes. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I know they will appreciate it as well. And I love the work that you do. And personally and professionally, you're just all around the bomb. Okay. Oh. And see, I <laughs> so, think the same about you because offline, you. we got to talk about that trip to Bob. <laughs> yes, yes, most definitely. Oh, I appreciate it. And this conversation has been just golden. Like, I love it. I really don't even want to stop talking, but (laughs) I love it. So everyone out there listening, definitely those links will be in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, let us know. Send us some emails. You can reach out to us on social media. We would love to hear any feedback from you. And although this is the end of the show before I go, as I always do every week, I just want to encourage you to take one step at a time and just do your best every single day because that's all we can do, right? Is just do our best. And as you navigate through your financial journey, don't wonder what if, take a risk and I will see you next week. You can be financially free with Cleo.